Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Hey, welcome back to another recording of Pencil Leadership. I am Chris Anderson, your host, and today we have another amazing guest coming on the show, sharing their expertise, dropping the gold nuggets for us all to learn. And speaking of gold, it could be something you use, you know, to gain financial freedom or create wealth. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, just kind of what that looks like, how we could possibly do it, some tips that are going to help us along our journey for financial freedom and wealth creation and so I'm excited. I'm excited to learn. And and from our guest today, we have Lee Michael Murphy on the show. He is the host of Free Retiree uh, podcast that you should all check out. And he's also a wealth manager. So uh, I won't say any more. I'll let him do a little bit of that himself. But first, uh, Lee, welcome to Pencil Leadership today. Chris, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited. And uh, hopefully we can drop some value bombs and uh, give your guests uh, something that they can leave away from today's episode. Absolutely. And and so first, uh, I would love for you just to share, you know, high level real quick uh, about yourself, what you do and, and what got you into it, I guess. Yeah, well, I wear a couple hats, um, both of them revolving around finance. So um, I am a wealth manager um, and I have my own business uh, that I work with uh, through Securities America, which is my uh, broker dealer. But um, I help people get financial freedom. Uh help people with uh, their investment strategies, get them, um, uh, help them with the retirement. Um, that's my day job. And then the free retiree show is more of a passion project that's turned into something bigger. And what we do on that show is we talk about uh, career advancement. We talk about uh, wealth creation, and then we learn from very successful business and thought leaders. And we've been blessed to have some amazing guests like, CMO of Realtor.com has been on. We've had uh, one of the first five people that worked on the iPhone project. Just really cool people that have unique stories. And we try to figure out what they're doing and how they achieve such a high level of success. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and, you know, I've checked out your show and you guys are doing an amazing job with it. And so it's exciting to have you on here. Uh, so if you guys haven't, go check out the free retiree show, follow it. And uh, yeah, just you gain the valuable insight that they're they're dishing out on there as well. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive into, you know, financial freedom, what that looks like or how we can get to there kind of through wealth creation and, and just from your perspective, what that looks like and, and tips that we can do. So I guess what's so important about wealth creation and, and finding that financial freedom to you? I mean, to me, I look at it as, you know, trying to give people the life they always wanted. Um, money isn't the end all be all right. right. And money in a lot of ways is overrated. <laughs> Having your life circle around money. But, you know, the sad truth is when you have more money, you tend to have more opportunities. It makes life a lot easier, right? Right. Um, and I got in this industry because I was like, man, like, I really want to be part of that Um that thing that just gives people better financial opportunities. I want to be able to uh, be the reason, you know, that got their kids to college. I want mm. to be the reason that helped them bridge the gap from their work that let them 
you know, live a life where they could travel and, you know, not have financial worry. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I've wanted to do. That's been my mission. It's the mission with the business that I run on a day-to-day job, uh, day-to-day. And then, uh, with the podcast, same thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So what's that look like? I mean, if you got somebody who like myself, let's just, let's just paint that picture who doesn't necessarily know a whole lot about, you know, investing, trading, financial freedom, wealth creation type stuff. Uh, you know, I understand build a business, scale that multiple streams, and eventually, uh, there's more, more options once you have the, you know, financial resources to invest into. So where would I start if I wanted to create that financial freedom or, or create more wealth? What, what is your kind of direction when guiding people down that path? Yeah, I think the first thing is you have to think about the life you've always wanted. Mm. So that's what I tell people. Like when you're starting off and maybe you save some money, maybe you've invested some money until you started off with the question, what's the life I've always wanted? You really haven't started. So I think for all my clients and the people that I'm trying to give good advice to, I think think about the life you've always wanted. And I will say uh, there's a caveat to it. Uh, you can't think about just having more money and you can't think about, you know, a uh, superficial life with uh, all this material stuff per se, like, you know, the big mansion, the flashy cars. If you start thinking like that, I think you're going down a bad path, you know, mm. just from just from what I've seen. Uh, I think it's like, you know, what, what, how can you set yourself up for a life where you have the time to do what you want to do? You know, um, yeah. You know, for so for me, you know, I think in my twenties, I might have thought of my life of financial freedom as like, oh, Lambos and fancy cars, and you know, going to Vegas. You know, right? That was that was stupid. That was stupidly. Not the stupidly is still there, but just not as stupid. But you know, that's the sort of mindset that we want to go away from. Like, we want to mm. think about like maybe how can I give my family a great life? How can I present them with great opportunity? Uh, for me, my day to day life looks like. Well, not having to work 12 hours a day, uh, maybe only working a couple hours a day, a few hours a day eventually, and being able to uh, take my wife out to coffee every mm. day. You know, that's that's my picture. Maybe a tr- nice trip here and there, but things that are within reason, being able to, you know, give back to society um, monetarily with my time, do more of that as I get older. Um, so I think that you know, that's what you have to think about the thing. The think about the life you've always wanted free from all the stuff yeah. but where you can create impact. Mm, yeah. I think that deeper, ro- deeper rooted reason of, you know, why am I trying to create wealth? Why am I trying to have that freedom? Because, you know, material stuff's not going to make you happy. It's not going to fulfill you. It's, it's just like you said, having coffee with your wife and, and things like that, giving back. So, where do we start when we're trying to go down this path to create this different life financially to be able to do those things? Yeah. So after you put yourself in the right mental state of thinking mm-hmm. like, this is what I want to achieve. Um, there's things that goes, goes around that. You have to think about what do you want and when do you want to buy and how much are you going to have to save every single month? So that all okay. goes under the life that I want. Those yeah. those are the components that lead up to that. Then it brings us on to the next component, which is your cash flow, right? It all starts with cash flow. Um, so one, do you have an emergency fund? 
And that's, yeah. uh, you know, three to six months of cash sitting in the bank. If you have one source of income, it's got to be six months. If there's two sources of income for the household, uh, you can put it down to three months of okay. all your expenses every single month need to be sitting in cash. Okay. Then it's about how much are you saving? So a lot of times what I see is people just like, well, I can save this amount. I can save $50. I can save, I can save $20. Um, some people that have higher incomes, just pick a number. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, you need to have structure because if you're not saving a good amount or don't have a savings goal, you can kind of flounder mm-hmm. and everyone's is going to be a little bit different. But what I always recommend to people I work with is as I start off, if you don't have a specific direction, start off with the 50, 30, 20 budget principle. Okay. So I'm going to explain that a little bit yeah, more in detail for sure. Um, the 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, that is your essential expenses. So okay. that can be the house that you live in, insurance costs, health costs, uh, grocery store costs. You want to make sure that's not more than 50% of your after-tax income. Okay. Next part is your discretionary, what we call the fun money. This is going okay. on vacations. This is going out to the bar. This is, uh, you know, this could be a, a trip to the, the movie theater. Mm. Um, Throwing, throwing of uh, events that are fun, you know, in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your discretionary. We want to keep that okay. at thirty percent, and then twenty percent of your after tax, you should be saving and investing. Right. So mm-hmm. first part is if you're starting from zero, make sure that twenty percent savings is using to fund that emergency fund first. Don't go into investments yet till you got that covered, and then we start investing, and that's how we move forward. If you're in retirement, I, uh, you know, I tell people, you know, a fifty. 45, five is like good. So 50% essential, 45% discretionary, which is the mm-hmm. fun money it goes up because in retirement, theoretically you've done well, you can spend a little bit more, you can, you can do cool stuff. Yeah. And 5% is still do- towards that savings goal just because things creep up on people in retirement that they're not expecting in terms of health, that sort of thing. So if you're in that coasting mode, I think that mm-hmm. 50, 45, five is good. Um, but really, it just comes to you know reducing expenses, uh, you know, to meet these this criteria, increasing your income if possible, and then you know also eliminating debt, bad debt. Okay. So yeah, um, you know, student loan debt is bad. Uh, credit card debt is bad. Um, if it's a real estate debt, is I, I look at it as it can be an asset. It depends, yeah, you know how it's used in the overall picture, but definitely eliminate the bad debt. For sure. Yeah. I, and I think, yeah, it just, you see more and more of that now, but with that bad debt, do you have a method that you direct people to, you know, you hear the, the snowball method, the avalanche method, things like that. Do you believe in one over the other to get out of debt faster? Well, I'll say this. I think everyone's situation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely want to pick off one by one. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a believer of taking off the ones with the highest interest, Mm -hmm. you know, and taking that out first. Um, There's been a lot of studies on this where people say like, well, you know, actually if you take it out from the small side, it works better. Like psychologically it does. And so that gives people a little bit more motivation, but still, if we look at the numbers, the best way to do it is, you know, figure out that dollar amount you can save. So maybe you're starting from zero. What's 20% of that after tax income that you're making from your job, Mm -hmm. put all of that towards the uh, debt that's got the highest interest rate. And then, you know, kill that one and then go on to the next one. I think okay. that's something that works. 
Um, there's more advanced strategies for people that are just buried. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't get too much into that, but if you feel like you are buried alive by student debt, and unfortunately a lot of people are, mm-hmm. um, you can talk to a student debt lawyer. Okay. Um, they can give you some unique strategies to get out of something where you feel like, man, I'm just never going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. It's worth a conversation uh, to someone that knows what they're doing in that space. Okay. Um, but yeah, for most of us though, I think it's feasible to, uh, you know, just kind of suck it up and, mm-hmm. you know, do exactly what we're talking about at the beginning, just saving 20%, uh, taking out each, each of the debts one by one, uh, with the highest interest rate. Uh, if you can, uh, that 50, 30, 20, uh, you know, you're really serious. See if you can cut that discretionary in half. Yeah. So, uh, maybe it's, uh, only 15% fun money left over, uh, okay. when you're really trying to get serious about it. Okay. No, that, that's great. And with that though, what, and you mentioned, what if you felt buried, you know, by student loans, talk to that student loan lawyer. What if people feel buried with the other, the, the credit card debt? And what ha- like are people I, I guess if they if they can't make payments, if they've gotten in over their head, you know, I, I think I, I don't know. Do people search them out? Like, do they get in trouble? Like, what's that look like if you're in that situation? How can you just stay afloat until you can get a hold of those payments? Yeah, I mean that's, that's tough. You know, everyone yeah. comes from different situations and I would just say none of this is financial advice. Yep. Everyone has different unique situations. If you need, you know, uh, advice, you know, come talk to me, reach out to me and I can maybe give you a little bit more tailored approach. But mm-hmm. main thing is not financial advice. Everyone's situation is different. Um, you know, a lot of times when people are really crushed, by debt, a thing that some people do not recommending it mm-hmm. is they say, well, you know, um, just buried by this interest, never going to get out of it. Um, they say, well, I'm not going to pay it. The eventually that debt goes, uh, goes on to another company after the credit card, credit card company can't get you to pay it. And uh, then, collections, uh, right. Yeah. And okay. someone buys that debt and generally you can settle sometimes every situation is different, but you know, five cents to 10 cents on the dollar for the amount of debt you, you had, uh-huh. um, well, it takes time to do those things. It's a, it's a process. Uh, it's a painful process too, cause they're <laughs> going to keep calling you and hounding you to, uh, right. get their money. But sometimes, you know, in desperate situations, you know, people do turn to those things and it takes a while for your credit to re- repair from something like that. But mm-hmm. That is, you know, if you can learn the lesson and, you know, yeah. that's your option, that's, that's something you can do, or, you know, you just save. And that's the one I was, I try to recommend people to do. If mm-hmm. you can just really sacrifice, uh, you know, that discretionary money and hustle a little bit harder because, yeah. you know, I think, you know, humans, uh, we have habits and we make, we make reasons for our decisions and we justify them, even though they are sometimes irrational. And that's mm-hmm. as an advisor, you know, uh, of over, you know, 11 years now, a lot of my time is spent, you know, listening to people's, uh, uh, <laughs> irrational behavior that they've, they've justified in a very eloquent way. And, <laughs> and then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. But you're just, you're justifying this behavior. I mean, mm-hmm. you're saying you can't afford it, but yet you're still spending money and going out and you have this vacation coming up. So most of the time, you know, really I'd say 90% of the time, these things can be solved with behavior, but people need to really yeah. be honest with themselves. 
for sure. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And you know, something interesting you said, like, um, back about the credit card, the collection, you know, they'll hound you, they'll come out now. I, I don't know. And so I'm interested Do is it like, are they going to take you to court? Are they going to come take all your stuff? If you have credit cards, you're not, you can't make the payments on for so long. I mean, long. They'll, they, they'll threaten it. Uh-huh. And, um, the way the laws are kind of tilted, it's more in the benefit of the consumer, but you know, if you were doing something that was completely crazy and right. trying to game the system, you might, you might be on the hook for that, but yeah, they could, they could, uh, most of the time it's very expensive for them to go through that. So you have to think gotcha. about that. They don't, they might, they might tell you that, but, mm-hmm. um, is it really going to be worth the company's uh, time and money to take you to court for, you know, 20 or $30,000, uh, you know, right. Gen- it could happen definitely, right. but I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that too much. Okay. And I'm sure if you're actually making the payments versus just not doing anything, like if you're paying towards it still, that might play it factor or no oh if you're making payments they're they're they, they won't do that it's generally when you stop just stop yeah just they're, stopped gonna, it. Okay. they're gonna but it never goes away right it. it can never go away does it it doesn't just vanish right you it... well with credit card debt yes you oh, can okay but your credit so a lot of people are under the pressure that it it can't Mm-hmm. But really, you can, but it's a painful process to go through because you have dealing with negotiations with these companies. Yeah, your credit's going to take a massive oh, hit. Sure, you know, uh, it might not come back to a good credit rating for you know seven years. Yeah, or maybe longer. Who knows? But yeah. yes, you can. And then, um, you know that that is something you can actually get over. Oh. Um, student loan debt is the one that doesn't go away. Yeah. So how does how does credit card debt go away and student loans don't? What's the difference there? I guess I'm curious. Uh, just legislation. Okay, so it, yeah. it literally credit card is it after like the statute of limitations or something that it just drops off or? Um, there's a certain amount of recording history of oh, okay. you know when they apply it to your overall credit rating. Uh-huh. Uh But as time goes on and you've shown responsibility and ability mm-hmm. to be a responsible user of credit your score will go up. Gotcha. But that debt that you've incurred doesn't go away. The debt. Well, if you don't pay it, right. Basically what we're talking about, it gets, uh-huh. goes to another company, right? The collection then, has it. And then if you're still not paying it, like you still haven't paid it off. Like if collection still has all of that. I mean, I think eventually, uh, like, keep in mind, I'm not a yeah. credit card debt expert, but from what I've seen, eventually, you know, they'll just, they will just, I guess, write it off if enough time goes by. Oh, gotcha. Interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. But each, yeah, well, each company's probably got a different procedure, different, yeah. different way they look at it. But it's a crazy that world. is, <laughs> that is, that's how it works. Um, yeah. you okay. know, so don't recommend going down that rabbit hole, but yeah. sometimes yeah. desperate times call for desperate measures and always consult with a financial expert on this, you know, yeah. given your situation. For sure. No, no. I, I appreciate you kind of going down that rabbit hole a little bit, but oh yeah. And then one last thing to, to yeah. cap off the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. A lot of times you see debt settlement or uh, uh, commercials and mm-hmm. what they're doing is what they're going to ask people is like, well, how much money do you have? <laughs> and you know, they'll be like, well, I have $5,000. All right, give us all of it and we'll take care of your debt for you. And they just kind of do exactly uh, what I told you right now. Yeah. And so they just, they just came up on some money and they just basically tell you not to pay it. So, um, Hopefully I can avoid people from, you know, using those companies yeah. uh, that 
are just going to take as much money as they can from you. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. It's a dog eat dog world out there, I guess. But (laughs) (laughs) so if people are, if people are looking to, you know, hustle, uh, make some more, you know, create more wealth where, and I know you mentioned real estate earlier. Is that in your eyes, a better investment for your money or um, personally, would you invest in real estate versus stocks or, you know what, uh, part of what I've seen, you know, in my job is I've got to work with hundreds of people mm-hmm. and got to see what's worked best. And I can tell you, there's not this, this one works better than that one. And, and right. you know, I'm a firm believer that you got to have the as- different asset classes that work and have them work in tandem with each other. Okay. Um, so a lot of times, you know, on the financial side, uh, you'll see financial advisors that will be like, well, you know, stocks, you know, historically have outperformed real estate, blah, 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 blah. And then you see real estate people and like, ah, oh, I don't trust stocks because you just lose your money. And it's like, I've got to hear both sides. Mm-hmm. And then I've come to the conclusion that both really do work well. You just, I think there's a lack of understanding from financial advisors on uh, the benefits of real estate and how to really, really utilize it to uh, make money. And I think also on the other side of it, I think most real estate experts don't understand the benefit uh, of stocks. So Mm -hmm. um, one thing that, um, you know, I wanted to do in my practice was really be able to look at both and understand both on a very high level, because Mm -hmm. I thought they both were ways to uh, make people very successful in their financial journey. So for me, um, going the next thing that I talk about is asset allocation, right? Okay. And so mm-hmm. there's basically three phases of that that I recommend. So number one, we kind of talked about that's the emergency fund, right? That's mm-hmm. what I call bucket one. Yeah. Bucket two uh, is what I call a income bucket, and okay. or you know defensive income bucket. Uh, you uh, start off that with maybe, you know, stocks uh, in portfolio allocation that isn't crazy aggressive, but it mm-hmm. is, it provides you stability that helps you, you know, with job loss um, also helps you, um, you know, steadily grow money, outpacing inflation. Um, when there's an economic downturn, it doesn't go down as much. Uh, so it provides this level of security and growth mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people are missing from their lives. And what you can do eventually that I've seen that works really well is utilizing real estate eventually down the road as a, because I call it a defensive income bucket. Um, You can utilize real estate income to help replace your working income. And that's going to, that's going to help you get to uh, where you want to be quicker. The third thing is the growth bucket and that's more aggressive. And so I'm a big believer in how Warren Buffett invests money, hmm. um, which is value investing. And we look at you know the size of companies, we look at the profitability of these companies, and uh, just the quality of companies. And that's a strategy that tends to work very well. Um, so I think using all of those together is what gives really powerful results to people. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's good to have a well-rounded approach on things uh, and kind of cover cover the basics. I mean, you think uh, the people who at least I look up to have multiple streams of income. You know, they have the dividends from stocks. They have real estate, you know, doing passive income. They have their businesses, things of that nature. And I think it's getting more and more 
apparent that we need to have those type of things in our lives, you know, with how the world's going and inflation and everything. You just feel like you have to be, have more, have your hands in more cookie jars type of thing to build a, a good portfolio. Absolutely. Um, and I'll say this on the, um, you know, the whole, this debate of, you know, what works better, real mm -hmm. estate stocks, um, you know, people that think, you know, oh, well, my primary income is the best investment ever. Mm. That is something that I've just never seen true. Uh, yeah. Even in, you know, great areas of real estate, like where I live, which is the San Francisco Bay Area, they're appreciated. But if you look how it's done to the markets, it has not, it's not done even close. And <laughs> so there's a misconception there that a lot of people will say, like, my my uh, home is my best asset. I think it's it's like a the equivalent of something better than a savings account. And it will outpace inflation and there is some benefit there. Mm -hmm. But really, when you look at what real estate does, it's about 3% on average per year. Um, now, you might buy in an area that has something better than that. But really, the national averages tell us you're looking at 3% growth rate per year, which isn't stellar. Right. Where real estate really is great is on the when you're doing investment real estate and where you understand the power of taxation, you understand the power of depreciation uh, and leverage um, to acquire properties and know how to calculate the returns on these properties, engage potential investment properties to help build your wealth. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where, if I look at that, that is where uh, there's massive returns that you can get in real estate and those probably outpace what you're gonna get in the market. But then, you know, a lot of real estate will people will be like, oh, yeah, why would you take the risk of the market and all this? There's more risk in real estate. You know, the, the whole risk right. to reward, uh, you, you know, you had to take on more risk to get more reward. That's always true. Even, yeah. you know, a real estate expert is going to tell you like, oh, this is way safer. Now, I've seen <laughs> I've seen, you know, dozens upon dozens of people that lost their homes from the 2008. I've met mm -hmm. dozens of people that didn't get paid on their real estate during covid there don't 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 uh fool yourself and believe that you have less risk you can make i think you can make more oh, i know you can make more money on the real estate side but you know the reason why i think things work well together is say you know on the growth bucket side you have your stocks that are doing great but they're going to go down during economic downturns right say your real estate side where the income is goes through an economic downturn but you have you know investments and stocks that are more safer Mm -hmm. uh, a portfolio that's more defensive or conservative, how, that's going to play a big impact on, say, you go through a real estate downturn and you you lose tenants or renters that can't pay your your uh, your loan. That's where it comes and bails you out. So yep. that's why I say to people that understanding these amazing asset tools and how they work and how they can work together is what's really powerful. But very yeah. very few. Um, people understand both just been my experience. Yeah. It, there's so like, cause I've looked into, to investing and trading and, and real estate, all of them more. And there's just so much information yeah. out there and so much to learn and stay away from day trading. I'll say that yeah. as, okay. as, uh, as someone that, you know, has worked with a lot of people, uh, knows a lot of the data that's out there on day trading. Day uh -huh. trading is a lo losing game. Okay. Um, there's all these trading systems that people tout. But when you look at you know how they've really performed, I, I haven't I haven't seen a trading system that actually worked out the way it was cracked up to be. So you know that's one of the pitfalls of what mm. keeps people from understanding how to be a good investor is you know day trading and day trading systems. It's like yeah. you know good 
people that understand, you know, wealth creation, like Warren Buffett, they understand you want to be an owner. Mm -hmm. So if you were like an owner of a company, would you like say like you were owning the ba you want to make a bakery, right? Mm -hmm. And you and you said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this bakery business on Monday, and then I'm gonna sell it on Friday. <laughs> like, would you really yeah. do that? Right. Like, no. no like, yeah. That's that's the that's why you know day trading doesn't make any sense. It's mm -hmm. like you want to be an owner. So if you yeah. look at like the most successful investors, none of them day trade. You yeah. know, ones that are reputable that actually you can you can back up the, their their claims. Mm -hmm. They stay invested in you know these assets for many years before they get out of them. Yeah. So day trading, yeah. don't subscribe to it. Haven't seen it work. And. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's definitely I, I feel like investing is a longer term game in anything, even real estate, you yeah. know, to, to accumulate. So uh, and I took Warren's Buffett, Warren Buffett's advice too on investing and, and got into some longer term holds. So uh, I did learn that much at least to get started. So, but no, man, this has been a great conversation, Lee, and I appreciated uh, everything you've just dropped here and, and the insight and guidance uh, on just, you know, taking steps towards financial freedom and wealth creation. And um, I mean, we could talk for hours on these topics and uh, go ahead. Yeah. I'll just give you the last part. Of oh it. yeah. You know, for we sure. went through, we went through, uh, you know, three different areas that uh -huh. were very important. The last thing we kind of alluded to this before, but it's, it's your mindset. Mm. Um, all too often, you know, you, you run across people that like, I can't do it because I'm not rich and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I've, I, I have met so many people in doing this that did not make lots of money, made very modest levels of income to low levels of lower levels of income that have been able to move forward because of their mindset and their ability to save. So, um, you know, going back to the beginning, you know, think of the life that you've always wanted, you know, free from material things, make a plan, you know, write it down, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, take action. Right. It's yeah. like so many people think about these things that we've talked about today, but have they really done them? <laughs> like for the most part, you know, people can research all they want and yep. you know, think about things all they want. And from what I've seen, I meet, uh, you know, I have people that call me every couple months. Oh, Lee, I want to talk to you again about more stuff. And it's like, <laughs> I talk to them and they don't take, they don't take action. Right. And that's what, that's human nature. Yep. You have to, I think the really successful people, Yes, they have the blueprint down, like what we talked about today, but they mm -hmm. are willing to take action. Yep. So I think learn. It's always great to learn, but mm -hmm. it's all about taking action on top of your knowledge. And I think, you know, if you that's part of your mindset, you're gonna you're gonna be very successful. Yeah, that's huge, and I'm glad you added that in there because uh, it's it is such a crucial aspect: your mindset and actually taking action on the plan. So uh, again, just amazing great information there. So I appreciate you sharing that last kind of question to kind of wrap things up. I do with my guest is fifth trade of pencil leadership is that everyone's created uniquely with the ability and purpose to leave a positive mark on the world. So when everything is said and done for you here, what do you hope your mark is? Uh, for me, it's going to be measured by how many people I can help. Mm -hmm. It's, it won't be measured by the dollar amount that I have in my bank accounts or the assets I have, uh, which is contrary to what you would think from my <laughs> but 
it's going to be all about how many people I can help, like how many yeah. people I can help in my my job in terms of getting them to financial freedom, helping them avoid big mistakes that they do in their finances so they can have a, the best life possible. Um, and just being able to give back, you know, on the, on the personal side of things, I'm a really big advocate on volunteering your time uh, to give back to those that are in need. And mm-hmm. I think that will be, that is going to be, the biggest measure of success it's what i use you know in my life now is i look at like you know how many people can i have a positive impact on and um and you know the the cool thing about it is life's just better that way when Mm. you're trying to help other people you're happier um younger the younger version of myself it would have been all about you know the wrong things (laughs) the money um <laughs> all that stuff but it's cool that i didn't realize is when you when you're trying to help other people generally uh you become very successful as well i learned that from yeah. uh, my my mentor of many years like i just realized with working with him like people were constantly calling our office to uh, asking for donations and asking for him to help yeah. out in nonprofit activities and you know, he was a very happy guy and, you know, he had tons of friends and, you know, yeah. it made me realize like it feels good to do that, but it just gives you a better life yeah. in terms of relationships. For sure. That's and awesome. Fulfillment. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So glad that you've been on here and you're definitely making a positive mark on the world with what you're doing. So I appreciate you being on here sharing. Um, where can people connect with you? Where's the best place for them to go and, and see what you're doing? Yeah, well, we uh, over the last year have made a big push to get on LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn, uh, search Lee Michael Murphy or The Free Retiree Show. Yeah, uh, that's a good place to connect with me. Um, and uh, also, uh, if you go to thefreeretiree.com, that's uh, my company website. You can check that out. That's actually now going to be the podcasting website. Cool. Um, and then uh, my company website is. It's under construction right now, so don't I go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but those are those are some good places. And if you guys got to drive, like on, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much every major outlet. Cool, awesome. Well, yeah, everyone, make sure you get connected with them. Check out the podcast for your retiree show, and uh, yeah, just listening and take away what they're they're guiding you through. So again, uh, appreciate you being on the show today, and uh, yeah. It was a great time. Very very much so. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.